Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live as we begin a brand new week. And the same old story keeps spinning around and around if you're in the New York area and you're a Jet fan. What is going to happen with the quarterback situation? Well, the guy that's going to answer that is a guy that's been covering the Jets for a long time. He's Bob Glauber of New York Newsday. You've been covering the NFL for 30 years. Is that fair? No, 30 years. It's 36, Howard. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Six years. That's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Well, I mean, but that—that's yeah. That's uh, the uh, the newspaper business as we know it has kind of changed quite a bit over that time. I thank God that I've been a part of that, uh, in light of the fact that it's been a very challenging time for newspapers. When I started, newspapers were, you know, in in their prime, really, and it's just a different. It's a different business. Um, Newsday has been great and survived and done the right things and um you know other companies have not so totally grateful to be doing what i'm doing for this long well you're on the you've been covering the jets for a very long time um and they've gone through let's just say i've heard so many descriptions about the jets um Mm -hmm. uh, they're uh, inept the uh, management has been bad culture change all these discussions let's put all that out in the past because that's where it belongs going forward Everybody and their old man seems to think that the hiring of Robert Sala as the new head coach was a great step forward. What do you think? I agree with that, Howard. I think Sala's a good coach. Now, look, he's going he's gonna to have to grow into the role, right? This is, this is a complicated deal. It's a big step up from being a defensive coordinator, popular with the players. You know, you're going to have to make some decisions that are not popular, and you're going to have to work in the fish tank that is the New York market. So I think that Sala will be up to the task, um, but it's, it's not an instantaneous conversion there, so it's, he's going to have to grow into the job. But I, I like who they got, Howard. I, I like that, you know, Christopher Johnson, when he, when he was going through the hiring process, he, he was looking for a CEO type, right? Now, in theory, I get that, fine. You know, it's, it's really a reaction to what Adam Gase wasn't because he was not a CEO. He was a glorified offensive coordinator who had no contact with the defense and thus coached half the team. And you just can't have that from your head coach. So I understand what Christopher was looking for and Joe Douglas as well. But Salah is that kind of guy. Now, he's not going to call defensive plays right away. Um, He's he's going to let, you know, his, his guy call those plays. He's going to have uh, LaFleur as his offensive coordinator, and he's going to oversee the team. That's a good thing, right? And I think that's the way to do it in in today's NFL. And I like Sala. I like his football vision. Certainly like his toughness. Um, What is it? All gas, no break. And, you know, that's that's the kind of operation he's going to run. So it's good. 
you know, you always you always have that. It's a breath of fresh air type of situation with the, with the new head coach. Um, you even had that for a little bit uh, with Adam Gase, uh, that first press conference notwithstanding. Uh, but, you know, Salah will get the benefit of that early, and then, you know, once the rubber meets the road, it's, it's going to be time to win games. Well, he's um, going to have to mesh with uh, Joe Douglas, the general manager, and uh, this was a move that, that Douglas signed off on, obviously. But I don't know how many get-togethers they've had. I imagine they meet every day extensively because they've got to deal with the obvious problem. What do we do with our quarterback position? Do we keep Sam Darnold? Do we trade Sam Darnold? If Deshaun Watson is there, I don't think there's any discussion. If Deshaun Watson finally is traded by Houston or made it available to trade by Houston, the Jets have a lot of uh, and uh, a lot of ammunition in the tank to pull off such a deal, don't they? Yes, they do. And you, you have to look at acquiring Deshaun Watson. You, you have to explore it. There, there's just no doubt about it. 25-year-old franchise-caliber quarterbacks who are under contract for a number of years do not pop open. This is a, this is a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime type of situation. Now, that said, you you have to decide on your price. You know, you have to decide on how much you're willing to give up. Um, are you willing to give up potentially four first-round draft picks in terms of picks and players who have been drafted in the first round, maybe in the top five in the first round? If you're talking about a Sam Darnold, uh, and a Quinn and Williams, and then a couple of draft picks as well. That's the kind of you know question you have to ask yourself. How much are you willing to give up to get a guy uh, who is going to upgrade your quarterback position immeasurably, but will be left with less than a whole football team around him? And that's where that's where the complicated part comes in, because you can't just say, "Well, yeah, do whatever you can to get Watson." Okay, well, you do that. You know, what are you left with? You know, Deshaun Watson was 4-12 and with a team that had a lot of good players and still had a lot of needs last year. What's going to happen with the Jets in a division that already has a much-improved Miami team that came close to making the playoffs, has a very improved Buffalo team that, you know, won the division and looks like a team that's going to be here for a number of years. And then the Patriots are going to be they, – they have to be better, you know, with players coming back off the COVID reserve list this year. Um, and, I, you know, I think they'll, they'll do their part to square away their quarterback situation. So, so that's where it gets complicated, like how much you want to give up to get a guy who's going to fix one position, but then you're going to have other positions that, that just, you know, you, you have totally a lot of needs at, and you're not going to have as many draft picks to fill those needs. See, uh, we're talking with Bob Glover of New York Newsday covering the Jets. Uh, you mentioned Quentin Williams. Now, I'm not the guy that's going to make that decision, but I wouldn't trade Quentin Williams. I think that would be a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just me. I, that, yeah. You know, I, I well, think... I no, think no, I'm, I'm with you right there, Howard. I'm with you because he's a, he's a rising talent. He, he made tremendous strides last year. He became a player. He became a big-time player last year. And then, you know... If you're looking at, uh, you know, upside of Warren Sapp, say, all right, that kind of interior presence where he can kind of wreck a game for you, can you live without that? Well, if Joe Douglas can't live without that, then there's a pretty good chance that the Deshaun Watson trade would not come off, certainly if, if Houston is, is asking for him. Well, you, you want a franchise quarterback, particularly one as young as Watson, who's already proven himself he can play at a high level. Uh, their receiving core is average. 
but then to be fair to Darnold, how many games did he have all of his three top receivers? Five, six times all year? Not much more than that. Yeah, and that's the complicated part about really getting an evaluation of Darnold. Now, I think that Mike LaFleur and um, Robert Sala will have that evaluation. I think they'll see for themselves by what they've seen on tape, by seeing, you know, talking to Sam Darnold and kind of getting inside his head. And they'll get a better picture football-wise of what Sam Darnold can and cannot do. So you can... You can look at Darnold and say, you know what, this kid has not had the benefit of any stability at coach, at offensive coordinator, um, at offensive line, and at receiver. And throw in the fact that he had mono one year and a shoulder injury last year early on, you know, it's it's really hard to get a to get a fix on him and, and what he's all about. That's why it's like I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that they hang on to Darnold, maybe even draft another quarterback and say if they don't get Watson. You hang on to Darnold, uh, you, you draft a quarterback at number two. Um, you don't have to play him right away, obviously. And you see if you can coax a, a really good year out of Darnold, that, okay, maybe you have the answer at quarterback. You can kind of live with both guys for a while. Maybe trade Darnold if he, if he gets better and, and you think that the kid can, can play. You know, there are options there. I don't think that you just have to look at it like, well, you have to trade Darnold now mm-hmm. uh, because you got to fill other positions. Well, you, if you think you can get Darnold to play better – uh, when things around him are more um, orderly, then then I think that has to be in their thinking. Bob, uh, a guy you're familiar with a little bit, and I stay in touch with frequently, is the former Jets coach, former Giants coach, Bill Parcells. He likes Darnold. He thinks Darnold can be a good quarterback in this league. He just doesn't have – he just needs a better supporting cast around him, whether it's with the Jets or if, in fact, they move him. Um, if you draft, whether it's Zach Wilson or uh, the kid from Ohio State, uh, Fields, yeah, Fields. Uh, you know, yeah. or any of those quarterbacks, isn't wouldn't it be considered a sideways move? Well, it's not considered a sideways move if you, and uh, meaning not Parcells, but if you, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, believe that their upside is bigger than Sam Darnold. Now, if you're convinced that Darnold can get it done, then, you know, you don't. You don't trade him. You you play him. Maybe draft a tackle um, at that number two spot. Maybe trade down, get multiple picks, and do something like that. But I I don't think it's sideways if you're convinced that Darnold's upside is just more limited than the guys coming out. And that's why you know at least you have the situation where you got a first year coach, you got a young general manager, youngish general manager. Um, you can kind of start from the ground up. And that's, I think, they're th- what they're thinking would be if they do draft a quarterback at number two and, and then try to build around it. Because then you got you know, you got a rookie quarterback on his rookie contract. you got a number of years salary cap-wise where it's not a burden, and you can build around them. So that's that's going to be their, their thinking. You know, if Darnold is, is – if they think Darnold could be the guy, then you can build around him. And, and that's, you know, I, I think that – is part of the equation in terms of the evaluation process. If, um, and we're talking to Bob Glauber of New York Newsday, um, if you draft the Sewell kid from Oregon to uh, give you bookend tackles for the long haul, um, then that's one way to go, obviously. And they got the second number one pick they got in the uh, Seattle trade for Jamal Adams, which is further on down the road. They also need to upgrade the running back situation, which is poor at best. 
which puts more pressure on the quarterback. If your running back is not good, then teams know that you can't run the ball, and that that's why Darnold was on the seat of his pants a lot. Yes. Um, the, the, the thing, the challenge with drafting another tackle at number two is that, you know, when you, in five years, um, you, are you going to pay two tackles, um, you know, big time money on second contracts? And that's, you know, that's certainly part of the, part of the debate there. You know, I think history has shown that you can draft offensive linemen lower down, um, probably a little easier on the interior part of the line, but you, you can get tackles, you know, um, in the, in the second and third rounds mm-hmm. that have, have turned out to be pretty good. But Beckton, it looks like he's going to be a stud, um, and that's good. But if you add another tackle, I, I get it, you know, thinking-wise, where you can kind of um, build a wall around Sam Darnold. But also, like, if you draft another tackle this year, who's going to play where? You know, are you going to put Beckton at right tackle? I mean, left tackle is it's a premier position in terms of money. And um, so that, you know, that becomes a complication there. And are you, would, you, would you put a number two tackle – uh, number two overall draft choice tackle at right tackle. You're paying him first round money. You're paying him premium money. And then what happens on that on that second contract? So I think those are things that, as a general manager, you know, you're thinking ahead. As as a fan, you're saying, yeah, but, you know, get as many tackles as you can, get as many linemen, protect Sam or whoever the quarterback is, and and you go on from there. But you know, there are other considerations down the line, cap wise, where you're not going to be able to keep that team together. And they, that's why if you can, you know, build with good draft choices early on, uh, late, later in the draft, um, you're that much better. And that's where, if you have a good general manager, and I think Joe Douglas is a good general manager, that's where he's, you know, that's where he's going to make his living. You know, do do what Ozzie Newsom has done in uh, in Baltimore over the years, mm-hmm. so so many years. He, he just drafted patiently, waited to what came to him, scouted well, and built championship teams. You know, in a, in a very traditional. Uh, methodical way. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, the Jets ought to be looking for a tough flight wide receiver, but how many times have we seen a wide receiver go as high as number two in the draft? Now, the Jets years ago drafted Keyshawn Johnson. That That's an exception. But, uh, I mean, this the, the Jamar Chase uh, is, is a terrific wide receiver, the kid out of Miami. Um, uh, De- Devontae Smith out of Alabama. I mean, there's a lot of good wideouts in this draft, and the Jets need a wideout, but they also need so many other things. You've got to say to yourself, would it be better off to trade down, keep Darnold, trade down, add more picks to address more situations? Yeah, I think that that is, let's see, option, say, number two. Yeah. Um, right, if they... If they, first of all, if they like a quarterback, if they like one of these quarterbacks uh, who is not named Trevor Lawrence, because I think we're going to all agree that Lawrence is going first. Right. But if they like one of these quarterbacks, you don't mess around. You just take them. And you, you take them, you have your conviction, you build, you either trade Sam this year or keep him, whatever. But if you, if you have conviction, you take him. Now, if you think that Sam can play, and if you think that you can coach him up and you can – he can be functional to to excellent, then that idea of trading down for the picks absolutely makes sense. And that's what I think, you know, um, they have shown, um, Douglas in, in particular has shown the ability to get 
maximum value out of trades, i.e. the Jamal Adams deal. That was incredible. Um, you know, guy, <laughs> Jamal, uh, Joe Douglas had no leverage with the Jamal Adams situation. It was a guy who didn't want to be there, only wanted to be paid, and he had no leverage, and he got two first-round picks, a third-rounder, and Bradley McDougal out of it. So that's excellent work. So Joe Douglas knows the value of what he's looking for trade-wise. And if he feels, and if Robert Sala feels, that Darnold is, in fact, the answer, well, then, of course, you, you, you do that. Um, I, I think you do trade down at that number two spot and, and get as many picks as you possibly can. Uh, a lot of people are saying that Zach Wilson could be another Patrick Mahomes, to which I say, hold on. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's one Patrick Mahomes. There's not another like him yet because nobody's proved it. Zach Wilson is a highly thought-of quarterback from BYU. In a, in a forever and a day, a passing offense that they've had there. Um, uh, Fields from Ohio State had a particularly strong game against Clemson, uh, but then he followed that up with not such a good game. So, I mean, it's a crapshoot, isn't it? When you get right down to it, whether it's the NBA or the NFL, the draft is a crapshoot. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, we spent all this time. Uh, looking at drafts, picking them apart. Um, if if you thought uh, Patrick Mahomes was that good, and we knew he was going to be this good, he doesn't he doesn't get taken at tenth overall. I'll tell you that, especially not with Mitchell Trubisky getting taken second, you know, right. in a trade up. So it's absolutely a crapshoot. You know, you, you do your best. Um, teams spend inordinate sums of time and money. Um, trying to figure out who is going to be the best player. But, yeah, it's, it's, there's an art to it, and you're going to fail more often than not. It's almost like, you know, a great – a guy who fails seven out of ten times in baseball is a Hall of Famer, right? It's, I mean, he has 300 average, and he's going to probably go to the Hall of Fame. Well, in football, it's kind of similar. You know, if you fail that often in the draft, you're still going to be well ahead of the game because you're going to be hitting on enough players – um, that will sustain your team for a long time. You look at all the great general managers, man. They they fail a number of times. Sure. But but they hit on enough guys high up, and more importantly, they hit on enough guys from rounds two to um, well, it used to be twelve, used to be more than that, but now it's seven, and then get get free agents every now and then to supplement your team. So many championship teams. You, you know, you look at we, we all remember championship teams and the great players that, that played on them. Joe Montana, um, uh, you know, all the, you know, Terry Bradshaw or Tom Brady. But when you look at the players around them, there, there are not a lot of Hall of Famers. I think this one Hall of Famer um, from the Patriots so far, and that's Ty Law, right? Yep. Well, that team, that team won six Super Bowls. Brady will obviously go to the Hall of Fame, but so many role players, it's so important, and you get the right coaches to coach them up. So, yeah, the value of good general managership um, lies in hitting on enough top picks, but also really supplementing them with the, with those good, smart, lower-round picks. Bob Glaber of New York Newsday, uh, if you deal with um, whatever you're going to do in terms of the draft, free, and the Jets have something under $70 million under the cap, to go after a free agent wide receiver. And there are a number of good ones that are better than what the Jets have right now, from Allen Robinson, uh, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller. 
A.J. Green. I mean, there's a lot of good wide receivers that are free agents. It would seem that the Jets would be targeting one of those or two. Yeah, I mean, it's a good year for wide receivers. Um, I don't know, Howard, if you throw the kind of money at a Juju Smith-Schuster that it's going to cost because, let's face it, this team, no matter who you put at quarterback, is two to three years away from, from contending. Mm-hmm. And do you want to spend that kind of money on a wide receiver who, you know, it's, it's taking up a lot of resources in your cap. So I, I, I'd rather go for a second-tier type wide receiver um, and, and continue continue the drafting process. So um, I, I'm just, you know, we, we've seen, you know, receivers, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen, they're not. But there are so many better receivers in today's football than there, than there ever have been. And it's because colleges are, you know, colleges have gone to the passing offenses much more. So you're developing these wide receivers at a much, much higher rate. So draft-wise, um, I, I think there's value in that. But, you know, if, if Allen Robinson is, is affordable, fine. If Will Fuller is affordable, that's good too. Now, Fuller's a little bit injury-prone, but, man, he's, his speed is just off the charts. And that'll help any quarterback, whether it's Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, anybody. Um, that's that's the kind of speed that you want in your offense, and it'll take some of this thing away uh, from Joe Douglas not re-signing Robbie Anderson, which which he acknowledges was a mistake. Uh, you know, I hear that. Um, look, Robbie Anderson is a good receiver, but let's not get him confused with uh, with, yeah. with, with uh, Jerry Rice now. I mean, he's a good receiver, yeah. but not a great one. Uh, of the Jets' current core of receivers, I don't see them doing anything but keeping Denzel Mims because he was their first-round pick last year. What about Jamison Crowder and, uh, and Breshawn Perryman? They keep both? One? What do you think? Well, I think you can keep Crowder cap-wise. You know, he may be a, a casualty there if they want to free up the space. I believe his number is around 10. Uh, Mims, for sure, you keep him. Now, you know, here's, an, here's another thing when you're talking about Deshaun Watson. What if Houston, which will probably lose Will Fuller, they all, all already lost DeAndre Hopkins, you know, what if they ask for a Mims in a trade, right? You, you did all that maneuvering around the draft to get Mims, you know, in a good way. You didn't take him early on. And do you want to lose that after him showing so much promise once he healed from those hamstring injuries? So, I mean, that's – I would keep Mims. Uh, you, you keep good young receivers on their first contract. Um, Perriman, I think he's expendable. You know, he's a good guy to have, but, he, again, he's been injury-riddled his entire entire career, had more last year. But, you know, he's a great speed guy, too, when he's healthy. Um, and, you know, Crowder, I, I like Crowder a lot. I I, mm-hmm. I look at Crowder like a Jericho Cotchery. I love valuable third-down receivers, slot guys, who just are there day in and day out. Great players, great teammates quarterback's best friend when you're in trouble hit these guys on a slant route or an end or, you know an end cut and they're, they're just there so i i find value um in keeping him the uh other position of need among many is tight end uh and there's a good one in this draft and kyle pitts from florida he's big he's fast he's kind of a hybrid tight end slash wide receiver um I mean, depending on where they go, I don't see him lasting beyond maybe 12, 11, 12 in the draft. What do you see him? 
Yeah, no, I think that's a good read. You know, the Giants have, have a need at tight end, too. They also need a receiver, so I think they could they could consider him or, or a receiver there. Um, and I believe they have 11. I don't think he's worth number two, um, but, you know, you top 10 at the, at the lower end of the top 10, that's fine. Um, it's just unfortunate that the Jets, they, they seem to have such a glut of tight ends going into last season that just for whatever reason – terms of scheme and, and performance. You know, Ryan Griffin signed a contract um, the year before last off a good season and, and you and you barely saw him. So yeah, it is a it is a, an area of need. Um, and I and I think Joe Douglas will address it, but I, I just don't see him taking it, you know, with that with that top ten pick. Mm-hmm. He's Bob Glaver of New York Newsday. This has been and we always every year, Bob, we go into the coaching carousel. Well this year it's the quarterback carousel. Stafford winds up with the Rams. Wentz winds up with uh, Wentz uh, winds up with Indianapolis. Rumblings about Russell Wilson. Does he want out of Seattle? Who knows? Uh, Zach Prescott. I mean, personally, I think Jerry Jones has botched that. I really do. I, I think that they, that this should not have lingered on the way it has. Howard, if if Jerry Jones really wanted Dak Prescott for the long term, he should have made this move two years ago by now Dak Prescott's contract would be undervalued even if he signed for 35 million dollars a year that's you know that's the going rate for quarterbacks who you think are in the top 10 it's just it just is but because he he dithered on that you know deal two years ago and then again last year you know he just got to go year to year with Dak Prescott another maybe another franchise designation or you know franchise type you know contract this year keep another year but you're still kicking the can down the road you got to sign this guy long term if you think he is the guy just do it so that was you know i i totally agree with you on that one and then you know throwing the, the big wild card here is what happens with deshaun watson to me is the, the the next domino and the, and the biggest domino to fall and then a lot of stuff happens after that if if in fact he is moved which i think at this point it looks like it it, it just has to be I think that's a divorce that is not reconcilable. Uh, I don't know if you saw this morning's, uh, any of the papers this morning or read it online, but John McClain, uh, the Houston Chronicle, basically uh, says, suggests uh, to the Houston Texans that they trade Deshaun Watson because of what he can bring in return to, to rebuild the franchise. I think John McClain has had his hand on the pulse of the Texans forever. And I had him on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he sang the same song then. And I said, John, a popular player like that? He goes, hey, <laughs> they've made so many mistakes in the last year from the coach to decisions in the playoffs two years ago when you're ahead 24 nothing on, on Kansas City and you decide to go for it on fourth and one. I mean, a lot of bad things have happened to Houston. They, they talk about um, teams that need a correction course. Yeah. You know, John is John is totally. Have, you have it right. He's got his finger on the pulse of that team. He's like, "Hey, Howard, yeah, you gonna tell me this guy can't play?" <laughs> I love McLean, um, and but I think he's right at this point. So much happened around Deshaun Watson after he signed that contract, right? It, it's you're you're talking about eight months ago, was it? When he signed a new contract, they had his emotional Zoom uh, call where his family got on. He was, you know, left in tears, talking about all the people who meant so much to him. And 
you, know, you had a guy who could be the face of your franchise for the next 10 years. And, all, and then, you know, his coach gets fired. Hmm. And then his favorite receiver is traded. And then, um, you know, just constantly, one thing after another. And I, I don't blame him for being so disaffected with the way things have gone. The coaching search was botched. Um, they didn't even talk to Eric Bieniemy until the second go-round when they got shamed into it. And, you know, Deshaun Watson's left there thinking, look, if, if, if these guys are just going to fly by the seat of their pants, basically, and build a franchise, um, you know, why should I want in? And I, and I get the loyalty thing. You did sign a contract, and there, there is something to be said for that. But, you know, when, when things change so rapidly after you sign that deal and the – you know, you're left with a franchise that and a roster that's like a burned-out husk of what it was. Well, you know, athletes in today's day and age are, are looking to uh, chart their courses much more often and take destiny into their own hands. And I think you're seeing that with Deshaun Watson. You certainly see that in the NBA to a large degree, but I think you're seeing it a little bit more in the NFL. I don't think the NFL will get to the NBA um, type thing where players just you know dictate the terms of where they play as often. Yeah. But it's it certainly um, in Deshaun Watson's case, uh, that guy wants to play where he wants to play, where he's wanted, where he's needed, and where there is just a little bit more logic in terms of what happens with the organization. Before I let you go, you're on. You know, I mean, you have a pretty good handle on what's going on with the Jet organization. If you look into your crystal ball. What is which way are you leaning? Which way do you think the Jets go in terms of the quarterback? Yeah, I I think if the price is right for Deshaun Watson, they will make that deal. Now that's if the price is right. If it's not too prohibitive, if if what Houston is asking for is too much, I think they draft a quarterback with the second overall pick and most likely trade Sam Darnold and kind of start from scratch with. Robert Sala. It's a big ask of fans because, you know, they've started from scratch before. They thought Darnold was the answer. Um, and the other, the third alternative would be you, you pick a quarterback, but also keep Sam Darnold and hope you can kind of develop him and then, you know, consider your, your, your uh, uh, you know, what your alternatives are down the road. So I would say A would be, see, I, I think the Texans are going to want too much. So I would lean toward them taking a quarterback at number two. Uh, maybe a Zach Wilson, maybe a Justin Fields, probably lean a little bit more to Wilson. Uh, I would be surprised if they went that route and didn't trade Darnold because you got a promising quarterback sitting on your bench uh, and they have so many needs. Uh, that That's the reason why I'm thinking that they wouldn't go yeah. in that direction. Well, I agree with that. But the thing is, if you know, Zach Wilson, it's a, it's a meteoric rise. And sometimes it's okay to wait another a year for a quarterback, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's why I say. And I, I'm always selfish with quarterbacks. I, I subscribe to the Ron Wolf theory of building teams. You always draft a quarterback whether you need him or not. Um, and you know, so that's why I would say I don't just discount the possibility of of keeping Darnold as well as signing another quarterback. But you know, you're you're right in in theory and logic. You got your guy. You got to play him. You let him take his lumps his first year. And then you, and you get that, you know, situation rectified. Well, that said, Sam Donald took his lumps the first year and had that work out. Well, it, it didn't. So I, I think there are certain different ways to go about it. And I don't think there's that much harm in letting a guy wait. Um, and if, especially if you think 
you can get something more out of Donald. Well, it'll be interesting. It'll keep you busy anyway. You at least got a lot of things oh, yeah. to write about. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> hey. Name of the game. Hey, Bob, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. You stay safe. You too, Howard. Thanks. Always good to talk to you. He is Bob Glauber, Glob, Bob Glauber of New York Newsday on the Jets beat. Uh, it's an intriguing promise, an intriguing possibility. Uh, I, I don't have any insight as to which way I think they're going, but I don't know. I'm uh, a little bit more in the mindset of um, I think they I think they keep Darnold. I really do. But we'll see. We shall see. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube